I cannot believe this. This is like a mini miracle in my life. Do you remember the pot that I planted two weeks ago? Yeah, baby. That is literally it. And, and I'm not kidding. We really did plant that right here on this stage four times. And, and, and it was the same pot every time. And we just open up a new thing and put some seeds in there. And they are growing. I, I feel like this is my child. It's just so fun. I've never planted anything. My wife, she's the green thumb. So I'm going to cherish this, take it home, sleep with it, put it in my bedroom, hold it. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I just had to show you that because we're going to hang on to that and see where it goes and if it grows. And I'm thinking of adding some other things to it. Just never know. Hey, I, I want you to, to meet somebody to kind of kick us off into getting going because I have a wonderful message today out of John 13 about Jesus washing people's feet. And so I was thinking about serving. What does it mean to serve? And this whole emphasis is, is part of the mission peak and the mission uh, 14er that we are climbing. So I've asked a friend of mine to come and he's, he's the only guy I know who has actually hauled a pony in his car. Welcome, Pastor Daryl Haley. Come on up, buddy. Now that kind of needs an explanation, doesn't it? It's such a weird story. Um, I'm 17 years old, and I'm just trying to make a buck. A guy hired me to take pictures of kids on a Shetland pony. And um, I needed a way to haul the little horse around. At the time, I was driving a 62 Chevy station wagon, and it just turns out if you take the middle seat out, the horse fits sideways perfectly in the car. Well, not perfectly. The head sticks out one side, and the other part sticks out the other side. And so, but it's great. So you drive around. Yeah. I wish we had a picture. Yeah, you drive around, and the kids would see this, and they'd all run right up to you, and you could take your pictures. It was great. Well, on a more serious note. Um, <laughs> Kind of how did you come to faith? You have a rough history of being a miner underground. Tell us briefly what happened there. Yeah, I started uh, serving uh, at 18 years old. I started working in the uh, underground coal industry. And and Pastor Derry is absolutely correct. I had no idea who God was um, and didn't really care. And so I served in the mines until um, about 12 years later. I met a guy by the name of Billy Joel Watson who loved Jesus with all of his heart. And he was one of the hardest working men that I ever... In the mind. Yes, one of the hardest working men that I ever served alongside. And he introduced me to Jesus. And so I went to his church. I took our little daughter who was five at the time. I wanted her to know Jesus as well. And so we took our daughter to church and gave our hearts to Jesus, completely turned our lives right side up, changed our lives completely. And an interesting um, fact about that... At this church in Grand Junction, uh, 32 years ago, the youth pastor there, the youth and young adult pastor, was uh, Derry Northrup. Yeah, that's how we met. And uh, God had all this history later. You never know what is going to happen in the story of God. And Pastor Daryl and his wife, Dion, they're coming up on 20 years of serving here at Timberline. And Daryl leads... The love releases peak at Timberline, which is how can we get people involved in ministry? So just last thing, why is it important to serve? Growth. Growth. The only way we can really grow in God is uh, to serve. Yes, we need to learn. We need to read. We need to pray. We need to devote ourselves to Jesus in all capacities. But serving 
is the piece that really puts the rubber on the road. And when we serve from the inside out, we serve because we love God, not because we're obligated or we're expected to, but we serve because we love Jesus. Wow. Makes all the difference. Changes the world. Say thanks to Pastor Darrell, would you? What a great story. I love it. You know, everyone serves somewhere. You might not even think what you do serves. I was, I was watching a, what do they call them, soccer mom the other day. She had all these kids in her van and soccer balls everywhere, and she's driving them to the next thing. And I thought, way to go. You are serving in an amazing way. Anybody cook for somebody this week? You know, cooking for your family, cooking for someone else. That's a form of serving. It's caring for others. The Bible even talks about bringing a cup of cold water. In Jesus' name is serving. And so there are many ways to serve. And I don't want us to get confused. Sometimes we think of serving means at the church, which is very important. I mean, you're here today. Things have been prepared for you, printed for you. Screens are on. Sound is on. People on the traffic team, greeters, ushers, lots of people volunteer at Timberline. Many of you do. That makes it happen. But there are many other ways to serve in your community, in your neighborhood, um, at, the, at the workplace. I just want us to be people who servanthood just kind of oozes out of us. Why? Because we're godly. When you know God and He's changed your life, it's going to change everything about you. And that's what I'm going for today, and that's what I'm hoping you will see as we walk through this. The first thing I want you to jot down on the back of your uh, bulletin there, your program there, is do I know who I am? Do I really know who I am? This is a very important question. We tend to think we do. You probably know yourself better than anyone else, but I'm absolutely convinced that we fully do not know who we are. I don't know The Bible even says no man really knows his own heart. Only God knows. What motivates me? Why do I do the things I do? That's very important. But when it comes to ministry, I'm going to be reading from John 13, 3. Just a question. How many of you think Jesus, don't raise your hand, always knew what his mission was on this earth? As a one-year-old? There's no way. He didn't have the cognitive ability. This is a fascinating verse. John 13. If you have a Bible, just open it up and and just leave it there. Because I'm going to go through several of these verses in John 13. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. Okay, that's that's the foundation. And that he had come from God. (laughs) And he would return to God. Fascinating verse stuck in the middle of this servanthood passage where it's telling us, John is telling us, Jesus has figured out who he is. When he's born, he's a baby, right? Does he have to learn to walk like every other child? Yeah, he does. He doesn't just pop out and start flying around the room and going, hey, this is cool, I'm going to save the world. No, he, he has to learn to walk. He has to learn to think. As a matter of fact, when he's 12 years old, the first time we really see him understanding who he is, he leaves his family, and when they find him, he's talking with rabbis and teachers and talking scripture, and they said, where have you been? He said, well, I'm just doing my father's business. 
So it was coming to him. He, he found out that when he touched people and prayed over them, they, could, they would get healed. There are tons of things that happened in his life so that this verse could be stated. I know who I am. I'm the Son of God. I've been sent by God. And I'm going to lay down my life for the world. That's because that's how you and I get in. That's how you and I have forgiveness for sins is because Jesus knew who he was. And he knew he would lay down his life for us. And then he knew he would return to his Father. So there's identity even with Jesus, the Son of God. That's why I think it's very important for you to know how you're wired and what to do with your life. Because in volunteering, it matters that you love what you do. The second thing I want you to jot down is, what is Jesus trying to teach the disciples by what he's about to do? He is going to wash their feet. We're going to read this story. Many of you have heard about it before. What is motivating him to do it? I would propose to you that it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that their feet are dirty. As a matter of fact, when they came in, they're having a meal together. When they came into this room, their feet were probably washed at the door. So then what's the point? The point is a spirit of servanthood that he is trying to show them. So very important. Let's look at it. Verse 4. So Jesus got up from the table. They're having this meal. He takes off his robe. What is that? It's called a priestly garment. Rabbis wore it, pretty fancy, very beautiful. He takes that off, basically saying, I'm not going to be in this role right now. And he, and he wraps the towel. He takes this towel from somewhere that he's pre-planned, and he wraps it around his waist, and he's getting ready to wash their feet. And the Bible says that he poured water into a basin. So now we've got him with this water of basin, or basin of water, and he he starts going around to the disciples. He began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Well, this is just absurd. I I can't even begin to tell you how how wacko. The the disciples have never seen a rabbi wash feet, anybody's feet. The, The job to wash feet would be the lowest servant in the house. And they would be there as guests come in. I'm not trying to be gross, but they traveled either barefoot or with sandals on roads that also served as urinals and everything else. And so feet were filthy. The first thing that happened when you came into someone's home is that you would stand and the servant would wash your feet. It was a lowly, lowly job. And and no one liked to do it. So Jesus is taking this concept of servanthood to a radical idea of him being the rabbi, and he is actually going to serve them by washing their feet. You know, I was thinking about this this week a lot, because serving people is not always easy. Matter of fact, I don't like everybody on the earth. Do you? Do you like everybody? Like, have you ever met someone you didn't really care for? Don't look at them. There's certain attitudes in people that if I see it, it just bugs me, you know, and and it's like, oh, I'm supposed to serve them too, but but let me let me help you with that. I love God. I really love God, and I know that God loves every person He's created. Do you agree with me so far? Therefore, He created you. You're not here by accident. God has a love for you that no one else can understand. You say, well, no, if you knew what I did. No, it doesn't matter what you did or have done. 
it, it doesn't matter. His love for you is because He's fully God, and He created you with amazing purpose that you just haven't found yet. And if you're running from God, He's chasing you. Because He wants you. Because He loves you. If I know how much God loves you, and I love God, then I'm going to value the people who God loves. Whether I like them or not. So serving isn't about liking someone and having so much fun serving, making cookies for my best friends. Serving means that I'm willing to go beyond the boundaries of what I'm capable of doing on my own because I love God and because I value who God values. And if God values this person, then I value this person. And I have respect and I'm going to show respect for their journey. Because usually mean people on this earth, once you hear their story, you understand why they're mean. It's not an excuse. It's just the reality. And that's why Jesus always led with trying to get to the story. Because everyone has a story. So the disciples have had many moments with Jesus, but they have never had this one. So let me just break it down a little more. Number three. How will I learn to see the bigger picture? How will I learn to understand that this is more than getting clean feet out of the deal? That this is, a, this is turning the hierarchy on its head. He's trying to make a point, and we need to see this point here. I'm going to read this. Because Simon Peter, okay, who, who is this guy? Is he impulsive? Yeah, he's the guy that pulls out a sword in the garden and cuts a guy's ear off. He makes statements that are crazy. He's always ready to fight. He's always ready to be the protector of Jesus. He's, he's, just, he's just got this animation about him. So, so Jesus is going to try to wash his feet. Verse 6. When Jesus came to Simon Peter... Peter says to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now. Very important. You don't understand now what I am doing. But someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. Read my lips, Jesus. (laughs) Do you think it worked? Jesus stepped back and I think maybe kind of even pointed his finger like this. And when it says Jesus replied, that word, is, it, 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 it involves strong communication. Jesus basically is saying, unless I wash you, you do not belong to me or to us or to our club. There's the door. That's the implication of the level in which Jesus was saying, you can't follow me if you don't do this. So that's why Simon Peter immediately changes his mind and says, well, then wash my hands and my head as well, not just my feet. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. It's, it's so Peter-like, you know, it's just so him. I, I don't know, have you ever had someone in a spiritual sense, I'm not talking about a foot massage, okay, in a spiritual sense, wash your feet. Anyone ever have that happen to you? In the South, they, they do this sometimes, and I, uh, I just hate it. Like, I had someone wash my feet, and it was like one of the most difficult things I have ever endured in my life. It is just awful. As a matter of fact, if God ever speaks to your heart and says, wash someone's feet, like, just say, no. <laughs> not going to do it. Hi, a guy named Bill Piker. Anybody remember Bill? Some of you will. He was a part of our church years ago. His family moved it from Arkansas. He's now a pastor in our Arkansas. 
And he was a praying machine. When our, our building over on LeMay, he would, he would come really early, five in the morning. We gave him a key and he could just feel free to come in and he would just pray around the whole building for a couple hours, many times. He would pray in every room. I'd, I'd get there and I'd hear this voice. And he, he had this southern draw and, and, and he would, he would pray loud, you know, southern style. Oh God! This weekend I pray that your spirit will fall on this place. And he'd walk through the pews. We had pews over there on LeMay. Whoever sits in this chair, touch him, anoint him, heal him, bless him. And he'd just pray like that all around the building. And when we opened, you know, at 8.30 or 9, he was still praying. We'd have to go say, Bill, there's people in the building now, so why don't you settle down a little bit. Well, one day he called the office about 9 o'clock. And I was in my office, and, he, and it was urgent. He said, Pastor Derry, I need, I need to see you right now. And I said, what happened? He said, can you meet me back in the gymnasium by that metal door there by the kitchen? And, and I said, what's wrong, Bill? He said, just can you meet me? I need to see you now. I said, yes, I'll be there. He said, I'm almost there. I heard his old truck with the broken muffler pull up and uh, open the door. And he walked in that. Some of you remember that building? Know exactly that metal door over there on that corner by the kitchen? He walked in there and he just immediately grabbed my arm like this and started walking me. He picked up an old black plastic chair, a folding chair. Remember those black plastic chairs that you don't know if they're going to hold you when you sit in them? And he took me to the middle of that gymnasium. There was no one else in it. And he sat that chair in the middle of the gym and he said, can you please just sit down? I'm like, why? He said, just, just sit down. Don't say anything. Don't go anywhere. Just sit still. God has given me something for you. And I'm like, oh. So, so he goes over to the kitchen and I hear pots and pans. And I'm thinking he's cooking breakfast and <laughs> all excited. And all of a sudden he comes out with this basin of water. And a towel over his shoulder. And I'm like, oh man, I know where this is going. No <laughs> way. I'm like, I was already embarrassed even the thought of this. And he's like, sit down, sit down. I said to say sitting down. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he said, God has told me to wash your feet. And I said, Bill, no he hasn't. <laughs> I'm supposed to wash your feet, okay? Let me want, no. Could you please be quiet? He said, because the most important part is the prayer. I said, what do you mean the prayer? He said, I'm going to pray for you after I wash your feet. And this is what the most important part is. Oh. <laughs> I, he, he's unlacing my shoes. He's reaching up inside my pant leg to pull down my socks. Okay, this is vulnerable. This is... Horrible. I'm, I'm getting like, ugh, I'm creeped out right now thinking about this. I don't like it. Finally, I'm barefoot. He puts my feet in this basin of water and it's warm. And he washes my feet. He has this little wash rag and then he takes them out and puts them on a towel and he's patting them dry. And I'm now I'm kind of moved by this thing. I have a tear in my eye and um, my voice is a little trembly because I'm a, I'm a crybaby when it comes to getting touched by the Spirit and just the movement of God in my life. And, and I saw his sincerity and then he said, okay, Pastor Jerry, this is the most important part. I'm going to pray for you. God told me to pray this over you. I said, okay. And man, he grabbed my feet with strength and he said, 
God, I love my pastor. And I thank you for him. I pray over him today that he will never, ever forget his highest calling is to serve people and to wash feet. Amen. Well, I'm sobbing now. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm crying. I have no Kleenex. And he just leans back, stands up and says, i got to get back to work. I'm not kidding. He walks out the side door that he came in. And I'm sitting in this chair in the middle of a big gym with my feet barefoot with a big basin of water when the facilities team member opens the side door. And I'm in there crying, sitting on this chair with this water. And he's like, are you okay, Pastor D? Like, go away. What happens to us in leadership so often is that we slowly remove ourselves from the jobs that are servant-oriented. And if we're not careful, pride and arrogance and ego can begin to wash away the desire to wash someone's feet. Well, I'm a little above that. What Jesus was doing was saying... Listen to me, team. I'm the rabbi. I'm the son of God. I am the Lord. I am your teacher. But I'm going to wash your feet. And that's my kind of kingdom. It's not yours. You're not used to it. But that's what we do in our kingdom. Let me just follow it up with this this last point. Number four here. Am Am I willing to lead by example? Am I I really willing to lead by example? Jesus was willing. And and now you're going to see into why he did what he did, not to get their feet clean. That really had nothing to do with it. Verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down, and he asked a question. You've got to get this. This could be the most important thing that I say all morning. Do you understand what I was doing? Well, of course, you're washing our feet. No, that isn't what I was doing. Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, how many times is he saying this? Have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. This is apprenticeship. Why did he have to do that? What was the standard argument between the disciples when Jesus wasn't around? Do you remember? Who was the greatest? I'm the greatest because of this and this and this. No, I'm the greatest because of this and this. Well, I'm the greatest because... Jesus is saying, none of you are very great, (laughs) because the greatest is going to wash feet. There's no way they could have known this, because Rome was totally the opposite of that. The Jewish culture they lived in with the rabbis were totally opposite of that. Jesus is the only person who could have tried To get them to understand that when you walk with God and you're part of the kingdom of God, then you serve 
with passion. That's what we do. That's what we do. He was creating a new cultural norm. I'm the teacher. I'm the boss. I'm the leader. Therefore, I'll wash your feet. What are some simple thoughts about serving that we can just throw out there as we wrap this up today? The first thing that I want you to write down there is just meet a need. You know, some people say, I don't know where to start in serving. Well, this is a great place to start. You, you see a need, you just, you just respond. You don't need a revelation from God. I'm walking into the church today. There's a wrapper on the sidewalk, a piece of gum or something, uh, uh, from, a wrapper from a piece of gum or something, and I see it, and I stop, and I pause. Lead me, Holy Spirit. Lead me. Am I supposed to pick up this piece of paper today? I don't think I am. Nothing special happened. No, you, you don't need that. When, when you see a need, you're going to help someone in. The door's slow, closing on them. You're going to... That radical, big, hijacked-up truck that passed everybody up to the front of the line, you're going to... You just can't wait to let them in. Not. Because people need to learn lessons, too. That's why some of you are on the earth. It's a challenge, isn't it? We, because we are this culture, hopefully this culture, we are not like them. Our brains have been washed by blood. Jesus' blood. Think about this. The renewal of the mind. I'm transformed by the renewing of the mind. That's what the Bible says. How does that happen? Because sometimes I don't feel like I am. But I have to be aware. I, I see a need. I'm going to run to meet that need. If, if you're godly, that happens. I could talk a lot about this. We were in a deacon meeting last summer. And it was gotten, getting hot in our conference room. And this church is great. It has You can set every room to come on at 6 and go off at 4 and Saves a lot of money and energy. And, and someone had turned off the conference room, not knowing we had a deacon meeting in there. And I was just starting to get hot. And I, I looked up and said, is anyone else getting hot in here? And Scott, our executive pastor, had his phone out. And he, he said, oh, I already, I already just took care of it. I've contacted facilities and they had it off, but now it's on. And I was like, dude, did you just read my mind? No, he, he has hotter blood than me. So he felt the heat and... He took care of it. I love it. Servanthood is taking care of a, of a need before others even know it's a need. Think about how we can do that in this city, in this community. When I think about that, it really blesses me. Number two, learn what you love to do. You know, sometimes it's just meeting a need, whether you hate it or love it. But in the long term of serving, you're going to need to find a place to serve that you love to serve. Because that's how God has wired you. If, if, if sixth grade boys is not really what you're looking forward to, then probably you shouldn't be serving. Because there's someone else who's going to make a difference with sixth grade boys. And that, to me, just there's a lot of power in that. Um, when Daryl, who just talked to us, his first job in the church when he got saved was assistant first grade boys teacher. And he gave out the little crackers. And he was the favorite, I guarantee you, with the boys. So learn what you love to do. Number three, keep the right attitude. This is absolutely imperative. I see, I tell you, I don't even want people serving that have a rotten attitude. 
It, it, it just does our church a disservice because that's not the DNA that we have, right? How do we protect our brand? Well, our, our greeters, our, our desk people, our, our facilities teams, our traffic team, these are, these are first responders to people who are getting a feel for walk. Many, many reports, I get these crazy reports all the time, that people will decide in the first 28 seconds whether they like the church they're visiting or not. All based on what happens in the parking lot, what happens at the door, what happens when they walk in. You know, as a pastor who's preaching, I don't even have a chance at them. They're already decided, you know. And so, so think about who you are in these halls outside. What are we? What is our brand? What is our DNA? Hopefully, it's this. Hopefully, it's bring a cup of cold water in my name. Hopefully, it's meet a need when you see it. Hopefully, it's I am willing to wash feet. Number four, lastly, appreciate other people who are serving. The service industry is the toughest thing on the planet. Our youngest daughter works in, in right downtown Denver at a place called the Chop House. It's, it's a high-end restaurant right by the stadium. Great food. And I tell you, some of the stories that she tells me about how, quote, rich people treat some of the staff there and waiters, and they're not all rich people because there's some really nice rich people too. But there's an attitude associated with this. You know, I've been in a restaurant where I watched a, uh, just a mean guy ended up making this waitress, this server, server girl cry. And like, we kind of called her over to our table. She wasn't our server. And um, I said, we kind of see what's going on here over there at that table. I said, uh, I'm a pretty big guy. Would you like me to take him out? <laughs> she had tears. She kind of smiled and wiped her tears. She said, yeah. <laughs> so I did. No, no I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just a servant. I'm just a servant <laughs> trying to help people out. No, but th- the reality is, how can we take care of people, whether they love God or not? Because that's the seed that we're planting. And I learned a couple weeks ago, if you plant seed in good soil and you water it, <laughs> oh, baby, it grows. It grows. Let's appreciate others. Let's live thankful. Let's not be selfish and self-driven. Our culture, you guys, I'm telling you, you've got to turn and go up the tide in our culture in order to to, to serve. Because everybody wants you to have it your way. Because they're paid to say that to you. But what happens when we flip that on its head and we say, I'm here to wash feet. Let's pray together. Lord, it means everything for us. To have your presence in this room. We cannot serve with godly attitude without you and your spirit compelling us and moving us to action. We can't. It can't happen just naturally. We need supernatural strength. We need to have thoughts that come from you, Lord. Fill our minds and hearts. Or we've already figured out a remedy. A remedy for something that's gone terribly wrong in order to help and to serve. Speak to us today by this message. Dig around in our hearts and show us where it's ugly. With heads bowed, I want you to just be really vulnerable and just say, God, show me where it's ugly in my own selfish life. Where am I demanding? 
Where am I self-serving? Where have I not been appreciative? It might feel bad right now to identify all that, but you need to do it. And you need to let God rip that out of you. He can purge that. And you can be humble again. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for me. I pray for all of us. Those in the South Auditorium right now, God, talk to their hearts. Let us, let us understand this moment is about a cleansing of our hearts, our bodies, our minds, and a recalibration of what is true. Because your kingdom is different than the kingdom of this world. And we can't follow you unless we play by your rules. And we want to follow you. Secondly, how many of you just need an attitude adjustment? You say, man, I've just not lived with appreciation. I, I've gotten demanding. Um, I don't think like that. And I need God to change that. I, I need to have more appreciation. I need to have more gratitude with what I do have. All I see is what I don't have and what I want, what someone else has. And just stop that. Just stop that and rest right now and say, God, thank you. I have shoes on today. Thank you that I have clothing. Thank you that I have a shelter. Let's, let's be grateful for his provision. And finally, if you're separated from God today, listen, this is a church that welcomes you. If you have questions about who Jesus is, we're so glad you're here. If you're ready to make a a statement to Him, if you're ready to receive Him into your life, just pray this with me. Lord, I'm serious about You now. I believe You're real. I believe You're the Son of God. And I'm moved today by the Spirit, and I can feel it. And I want to ask You to come into my life. Forgive me and cleanse me for all the stuff I've done that hasn't been pleasing to you, and help me to start a new life today. I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.